Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good morning on a October 5. Crazy. Holy smokes. It is just a shade before 5 a.m. here in Maine. Uh, I hope the sound of the heater is not too much for people to take. Uh, I don't even know if you can actually hear it or not, but there's no way I'm turning it off right now because... It's freezing, and Sparrow is all buttoned up. Normally, I like to keep at least a little porthole or a little hatch open, but not today. Not for the last couple of days, actually. It's just, well, it's fall, really. We're, we're finally uh, receiving the weather that we normally have <laughs> up here. It's been such an unseasonable summer. All the way into September, it was warm, and then... It has finally sort of dropped off, but I am surrounded by projects. I'm right on my little table here right now as the the guide for splicing. I was trying to splice on a new topping lift on the boat, and I screwed it up. It's been so long. Holy cow. I, I can't tell you how many times I've spliced lines on this boat. It was mostly in the very beginning. Because once you sort of have a, a boat and it's like this new thing and you've got all these new lines and you want to make everything look neat and nice and all this sort of stuff. And then I started actually sailing and found that uh, splices do look nice, but in a lot of cases, um, it's not all that great to have because you can't just untie them real quick and use them uh, for something else. or just uh, shorten them to get rid of some chafe. And so I sort of adapted a different style, which was just tying bowlins on everything and uh, always making sure there was extra line on there so that if something starts to chafe through a little bit, then all I have to do is untie the bowlin and shorten it by whatever and then tie another bowlin. But with the topping lift, because... It's secured all the way at the top of the mast. I really want to have a nice splice with a thimble in there. Uh, one of those little metal ring type jobbies that look like a teardrop. Because it's going around this big, big bolt. And I yanked the old one off. And I, it's been on there since 2016, I believe. And it was some of the stiffest stretched out like dead rope I think I've ever I've ever felt it was it was interesting just trying to coil it up it just wanted to stay straight cuz for years and years it's just been up there holding that boom and just with load on it but I'll give it another shot later I only lost 6 inches uh, off the off the line <clears throat> that I bought so uh, I don't know. I, I you ever feel just discombobulated, uh, you know, tired to the point uh, that you're having trouble sort of keeping track of of things? Well, that's that's me right now, hundred percent. We had a really really uh, big week last week in the yard. We're 
just in the mid, I guess it is, it is Wednesday. So that's, that's kind of nice. I always like Wednesdays to come around. You know, you're halfway, halfway through, but yesterday we started at, uh, just a shade before five, which didn't really, I mean, I guess it worked a little, but it's still dark out. And, uh, if you can imagine moving, moving 30 foot boats on big, heavy equipment, before it's light and you can actually see it doesn't work out all that well it doesn't uh, the equation let's say doesn't uh, add up when you're trying to be efficient and do do things in a timely fashion it's sort of for me it was it was kind of interesting it was entertaining for for a bit to have a headlamp on and be uh, <laughs> I felt a little more like like those those people at the airport that are guiding you in. If I would have had some of those red sticks, that probably would have been pretty cool. But in any event, you know, the one the one perk of starting that early yesterday was watching the sunrise because we had this blood red, you know, the under undercover uh clouds striking red off in the distance. You know, you've got all this machinery and all these masts and everything around you and you're you know still driving a tractor around and bringing stands out and you've got this amazing backdrop which was pretty cool that lasted a good a good hour or so uh because we're getting so far in towards the winter but uh i don't know it's just you know you get you get worn down a little bit and uh is it wednesday or is it tuesday no it's wednesday okay Wow. Yeah, there there you go. There's a fine example of of exhaustion. And I, you know, I I don't think that it's a terrible thing to be exhausted. Actually, I think sometimes it can be quite a uh I don't want to say therapeutic, but it feels good sometimes to be ridiculously tired from doing, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. But there's a fine line, I think, between being tired from from doing it and and actually being, I don't want to say over it, but <laughs> and I don't want to say bored, but you know you know what I'm saying, like the tedium of doing the same stuff over and over, and and uh, that that's always been sort of an issue with me throughout my life, really, where I really enjoy doing certain things, and then. You do them enough, and you're sort of like, all right, let's do what uh, else we got down the old pipeline. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's culminating in, in a few different areas as well. Um, making all the, the stuff for, for YouTube and everything is, is definitely fun, and it was pretty exciting in the beginning. And it's it's still, you know, it's not bad. Uh, it's just it's sort of becoming this this little ritual uh, and uh yeah i don't know i it's like my life <laughs> my life is just compartmentalized into three or four different different things a job working on the boat the podcast and other content and it doesn't leave much time for anything else it's mostly that and then try and sleep but you know Sometimes you have to just grind for a little while, and hopefully it's not too, too long, so that, uh, I guess, you reach whatever goals you're trying to reach 
and then you get some sort of reward uh, in the end, I suppose. I, I'm not I'm not too sure. Right now, I'm, I'm too discombobulated. But I do know that I'm going to make it. Pretty much just have a month left. Uh, the boat should be ready. The mast is all rewired. I've got new lights, LEDs, super bright, up on the masthead. I got the steaming light working. Um, all that I really need to do now is get the plates put on, mount the winches, and then we're going to stick the mast back on. And we do have a three-day weekend coming up, which is kind of nice because that will give me hopefully plenty of time to get all these little projects done on the boat so that come Monday or Tuesday – we can punch right into uh, one of the the final really busy, busy weeks. Although I kind of have a feeling they're all going to be pretty busy weeks uh, now that the temperatures are dropping off. People people realize, but you know, we are also filling this boatyard up so fast. Uh, I think much faster than normal, and pretty soon we just won't have any more room. There is like a finite finite amount of space so i don't know if anybody was planning to come up here and haul out if you don't have a, a reservation yet to do so you might want to mm. oh man that coffee is good Whew. Um, it's so funny because i you know out at sea was really the time that coffee was coffee i it really became essential out there and it wasn't uh wasn't something I really delved into all that much on my land life, but somehow it has made its transition, probably because it's uh, a bit of an addictive substance, but I'll tell you, in the morning, I look forward to it. I mean, it literally wakes me up out of bed thinking, ooh, that cup of coffee's going to be really good. Maybe it's just because it's so cold. I don't know. Mmm. But I did want to, before I just ramble on and on and on, even though I'm sure there will be more of that, I wanted to do a little check-in with the old Golden Globe Race 2022, which uh, they're all in the doldrums. And I know so much about the doldrums. So many experiences down there. It's it, But the only thing I don't have uh experience with is trying to race somebody through the doldrums that's uh that's on a whole different level i suppose when <clears throat> when it's not okay that you are becalmed and not moving anymore uh i think that would be you know it's one thing just to be out there and sort of cruising and la 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 but uh so our racers right now they are just south, I don't know, it looks like uh, 100 miles south or so. <clears throat> Some of them are quite a ways south of the Cape Verde Islands, but they are all in a very large patch of dead wind. Let's see. Oh, oh, we're getting a little boost up there. It looks like the ones that are further north are getting a little bit more wind. Oh, actually, it looks like everybody's kind of moving. Well, but you never know. These things, oh, three knots. Four knots. Oh, they're not doing too bad right now. Looks like they must have gotten a little boost. All right, I gotta pull up the uh, the old weather. But we're still we're down we're down three boats. 
for the 16 that started, which I think with with the heavy weather they started out with is is pretty pretty normal. I you know and you know running up on the rocks, I suppose pretty normal too when when you're using such basic navigation equipment and stuff it's definitely uh it's part of it oh they're getting a little boost it's changed i'll tell you that that weather down in the doldrums it's just so changeable it's crazy but they are in a pretty big patch of very unsettled uh unstable weather because again the doldrums is made up of of really low pressure but not in the sense of like a storm low pressure more in the sense of just heat evaporating straight up uh and causing these big bouts of no wind but yeah oh in the next day or so they're gonna start getting southerlies which oh my gosh that would be so frustrating and more more doldrums action geez have any of them gotten south of that let's see Monrovia. It's crazy when you're sailing over there too, because you're so close to all these uh, African countries that are known to be such sort of troubling spots and stuff, like Liberia and everything. But I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting. Okay, so one one person, Simon, who's in uh, in the lead. He's he's almost to the equator. That's pretty crazy. So a few of them are down there, and they, yeah, they're they're already hitting the southeast trades, which are mostly southerlies, but wow, mm, they are moving. That's crazy. So some of them are already in, essentially, into stage or ocean two, which would be the South Atlantic, and the South Atlantic is looking pretty trades windy um you know it's a pretty epic band of wind once you get down there pretty much all the way from from uh, the tip of south america or south africa all the way across to brazil it's just this beautiful flowing wind 18 to 20 knots dead from the southeast well kind of almost the east southeast and not very changeable. I've sailed that many, many times, and it is—it's uh, quite remarkable how consistent that that wind is. And at that point, there—it's—it's it's pretty much just dive south as fast as you can to get into those variables, and start riding those southern ocean, southern ocean lows across. And they've got some—they've got some pretty ugly systems down there, uh, going across from South America towards the Cape of Good Hope. It's probably a good idea that they're not there quite yet. It is still pretty early. Uh, if I were to dive down to the Southern Ocean again, I'd want to arrive there pretty much no earlier than December, I think. It gives you a pretty good uh, docile, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> as docile as you can be in the Southern Ocean, that sort of thing. <clears throat> but, yeah, so it looks like the pack and the fleet, they're all sort of uh, just above the equator, just south of the Cape Verdes, and uh, yeah, fully immersed into the doldrums action. And again, we've had three retirements, uh, one due to, I guess, breakdown, one due to uh, the American, he ran up on the rocks, and then the last one, Mark, uh, was it Mark Sinclair, Australian, I believe? Yeah, he actually, 
His plan, I guess, according to the news reports, it was that he was going to do a quick stop in Cape Town to go to a wedding of his his son or something like that. And so he wasn't even planning. You know, he had he had he was the only person who finished in the Chichester class, which means you stop once uh, in the 2020 or 2018 race. And so he came back and I think. uh yeah, I think his plan was to do that sort of thing again, and, and I think it's just becoming a bit more more than he wanted to deal with because it is it's a lot of work. You a lot of times I think, especially with these guys and gals that have to get sponsorships and do all this sort of stuff, um, there's an added pressure on to it, you know. So when the, the race starts, you're already absolutely exhausted. Because you've been working so hard to secure all this stuff and and satisfy all of these sponsors as best as possible, which it's a big reason why I try to steer clear of all that sort of thing. Um, just because you know hey, you might have to work and wait and uh, and spend your own money and stuff, but boy, not having that external pressure really, I think simplifies things for sure and allows you the flexibility to do whatever you want, which is what I'm all about. Flexibility. Oh man. Which I think is why I love doing this podcast because if I need to take a a few days off, I can, if I want to punch out a show every single day, I can. And, uh, that actually feels really good. It feels nice to be able to do that. And, not not have any external expectations or pressures. I mean, I guess a little bit from from the uh, the family of patrons who actually have have grown one more. We're up to twenty eight. I can't believe it. It's uh, it's so fascinating to to see that. I think probably one of my favorite emails to to receive is is from Patreon and have them. Say you have congratulations, a new Patreon member. It does feel feel pretty good. So cheers to you, Neil, whoever you are out there. I've thought about maybe just doing a quick shout out to uh to all the patrons by, you know, first name. Just just to kinda I don't know. Just to uh just to give credit where credit is due, I know it's, it's I don't know, if it's kind of fun to, to be able to hear, uh, hear your name or something like that when, uh, when you're listening to the show or something, I, you know, who knows? I mean, I would never throw out people's, like, full names or anything like that. That doesn't, that would be a little ridiculous. I would be a little bit mad. And, you know, some of them don't even, it's just, uh. It's just like call signs or whatever, but I guess if we're going to do it really quick, we might as well. Irma, Mike, John, Dave, Scott, Larry, Mark, Robert, Bert, Josh, Matt, Miles, Brendan, Kevin, Ed, Lewis, Christopher, Johnny, James, William, Eric, J. Fogg, Sarah, Tim, Jamie, Elza, (laughs) Brian, and Neil. Boom. Thank you. That is my... Hardy, hardy crew <laughs> who keep this podcast coming to you. Wow, that rhyme. That was fantastic. Wow, I guess this coffee's really kicking in. I wonder what else is in there. Mm. 
Nothing but a little creamer, a little bit of that disgusting powdered cream, which I love so much because I've grown accustomed to it uh, very much in the same way as a 20-year-old growing accustomed to bush light. And hey, if people want to uh, poke fun at you because of your choices of beverages or movies or anything like that, you know what you can tell them? You can tell them to just go screw off (laughs) because everybody in this world is entitled to their own opinion, their own likes, their own dislikes. And as long as it's not hurting somebody else, well, then, uh, you know what? I say good for you. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. Well, back on to Mighty Sparrow news. Sometimes I kind of... I. Wonder if it would be it would be kind of fun to try. Maybe I will at some point. Is to do. Maybe I'd have to like not really write a script, but maybe write an outline where I can I can go and uh, I don't know come up with like news topics I guess, but they would be obviously from what the heck's going on uh, in in my life. Like you know, for instance, it could be like it could be. Uh, um, you know, all right, this morning it's at 5.10, top of the hour, we have our Murphy watch. Uh, the last sighting of Thomas Murphy was at 5.15 a.m. yesterday when he was shocked and awed to see us moving boats before he was even out going to haul lobsters. Uh, full report coming later, you know, that sort of thing. I don't know. be kind of fun. I, I think it would summon my inner... That inner uh, child that wanted to do weather reporting when I was a little, little kid. I always thought that would be pretty, pretty fun. And I I guess this leads to me being a lazy person in some, some semblance of the way. But um, I just remember thinking, boy, that would be a really easy job. If you just had to do a weather report, I mean, I can't be that hard. <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything about all the weather reporters out there because weather is uh, not easy to become an expert on. And I think you got to take a lot of guff, too, because, you know, you're just trying to predict things and you're trying to use use the information you have. And maybe maybe even you're just a sort of TV personality and somebody else is feeding you all the information. But Still, you know, they're just trying to do their best. <laughs> Give them a break, man. Oh, Lord. Mm. Ah, so besides the mast, <clears throat> for our, our 515 Sparrow report, besides the mast, we have solar panel coming <clears throat> to replace and rewire the system there. That should be here sometime next week. So we will have hopefully about 100, no, 200, 270, I believe 270 watts of power pumping into Mighty Sparrow from the sun, uh, which will be fantastic. New little charge controllers for all that to be able to really monitor the system really well and hopefully keep these nice new batteries all intact and functioning. Uh, as far as the sales, I have yet to pull the sewing machine out 
because I don't want to drown myself a little too much with, uh, you know, you overextend yourself. At least I've found this. If I, if I have too many projects going at one time, I tend to not do a very good job on any of them. Uh, or I do, I shouldn't say that I do less of a quality job on all of them. And what I've found works better for me is to have one project and focus on that until it's absolutely finished and I'm good with it and then go ahead and uh, switch over to the next. And I, I think that a big part of that that helps me is just to prevent me from becoming a little too overwhelmed as well. I'd rather get anxiety from looking at the list of things to do and not looking around the boat and seeing 18 different projects going on all at once. Cause that gets a little, a little hectic, and uh, and also, it's nice to just have a little bit of a, a decent workspace, um, little as in over there, and the rest of my little boat be, you know, my home and my little world. So, be that as it may, ah, oh, this is going to have to be a bit of a short one because I still have to make breakfast, and uh, we're starting at. 6 a.m. on the dot. Hopefully we'll have at least the half light to work with from the get-go. But uh, part of the reason we're doing these early early morning shifts here at the yard is the tide. High tide, I believe, today is at about 7 in the morning. And we just have so many boats coming every day, about 8, uh, that have to get hauled out that essentially... We have to work around the tides, so we, we typically have about, I'd say, two or three hours around each high tide to be able to haul boats, and then low tide, the slip is is pretty much dry, so to speak, and uh, we can't actually get boats in there, so we try and get them when we can, and uh, hopefully, this will be the last day of the super, super early. Yesterday, like I said, that was a bit ridiculous, but... Hey, you know, it is what it is. It's always a little interesting. And uh, like I said, we're working towards a goal here. The goal and the finish line ends or starts, or no, I guess ends. I guess it's the start start line of of, uh, enjoying things and getting back out to sea is going to be the finish line of filling this boatyard and getting... Sparrow all set up and ready to uh, venture out there once more. I still don't know exactly for how long and all that sort of stuff, but the nice part is we've got a pretty provisioned boat. We've got all the necessities on board, and uh, yeah, the ocean is is just out there, and, and the winds will take me where they will, and yeah, if I feel like staying out there, I can stay out there, and if I feel like going someplace cool or crazy or new or old hey i'm gonna do that as well so Mm. oh this coffee is just delicious but yeah so uh i don't know maybe i will uh maybe maybe instead of just putting this out right now maybe what i'll do is do a post post work nah you know what i'm not gonna do it because i know that when i finish work 
my brain is usually pretty pretty tired and uh it's hard to articulate a lot of stuff most times so uh that's when that's when i try to do some of the visual editing and stuff like that that seems to uh that seems to coincide a little better it's uh it can be believe it or not a little bit hard for me to ramble on uh after a long day's work uh, out in the sun and such because I just feel a bit on the exhausted side. <clears throat> but this was a nice little nice little wake up uh, early morning podcast. I hope everybody is doing well out there. Once again, thanks to everybody for supporting the show and also for listening and everything like that. It is uh, it's why we do it. It's why we're out here. It's why the microphone's on and the computer is recording it. That's how uh, that's how we do it. And and. Uh, and yeah, it's it's uh it's been a lot of fun. It really has been a lot of fun to do this and I look forward to all the other conversations and ramblings uh that I'll get. I am really looking forward to being out at sea and recording out there. Cuz I kind of feel like uh I've gotten into I don't want to say like a flow state or anything like that, but I've just gotten used to sort of doing these solo solo podcasts and like I don't really have any notes or anything. I guess Oh, I guess I do have some notes. I have some notes of things that I wanted to Oh man, stuff that I wanted to get to. I didn't even glance at that, man. I guess that's what happens when you start really early in the morning, but I am going to try and do uh a bit of a follow-up. Okay, so you know what? Okay, we're not going to put this out this morning. I'm going to put this out this afternoon and um what I'm going to do is, as soon as I finish up with work, I'm going to hop on the mic, and we're going to hit these subjects right here. Uh, falling overboard. Why I do nonstop sailing. Uh, the Caribbean run. And crossing the Atlantic. Wow. Those are some, those are some pretty, uh, pretty hefty topics. Maybe I'll try and hit one or two of those just to round this out to an hour like the norm and uh and then I'll I'll put it out after that. So for me, a whole day is about to go by in the boatyard with uh heavy equipment and tractors and stands and boats and uh for you guys listening to this, it's going to take about 1 or 2 seconds. So there we go. Um part 1 done. Well, that was a day right there. Holy smokes. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, ten, 10 hours or so. Yeah, 10 hours later. It is now uh, just before the 5 p.m. hour. And uh, yeah, we hauled, we hauled seven or eight boats, pressure washed pretty much all of them, and holy smokes, got them all stood up. We had one that was... Uh, had an insane, insane hull shape. Really old school uh, racing boat, but just oh, real beamy, like teardroppy shape with a huge keel, six and a half feet or something, huge for for our yard. And uh, holy cow, took the really extra large jack stands that we have. So that was always uh, I don't I want to say a pain in the ass, but it's not really because at least it's a change up because we're running out of room. So we're we're essentially down to like our last hundred jack stands, believe it or not. So 
Um, which is early. We're about a month early for that. And we're actually pulling some of the dock floats out tomorrow after we do a couple of masts. So it's, it's all coming together here, folks. And then, uh, right after work, I was able to get some work done on the mast, some paint, some prep, uh, aluminum is pretty funny stuff. Cause when you, you can't just slap paint on it cause it'll pretty much oxidize and peel right off. So you have to prep it with these funny chemicals and then wash it off and then add more chemicals and then wash it off and then it's like an oxidation layer or something like that um and then you can paint it but got that and all i gotta do now is figure out how to tap uh see if i can tap g10 fiberglass kind of composite stuff and then also tap aluminum like at the same time. I don't know if that's going to be humanly possible or not. Yeah, luckily, there's a few experts around, which will will definitely help me sort a few things out, which would be nice. Um, but yeah, I still actually, once I finish this, and I'm going to go do a little pressure washing. And, uh, and then I think I'm going to crank back and have a brewski with, uh, with old Heath and Murph for a hot second uh, before possibly diving into another podcast with some very interesting, this, this couple that's been here working on their mast. Um, absolutely amazing. They've been pretty much all around the world through the South Pacific and Indian Ocean and all that. And they're headed to the Caribbean after this. Really, uh, really a cool couple. They they had me out on their boat for dinner one night, and fantastic. Just that whole sailory sort of camaraderie thing that goes on with people on boats. Uh, I don't know. It was really, really quite uh, quite cool. So that to look forward to. Other than that, I did want to. You know, I think I rattled off this this list that I was looking at and thinking about it. <clears throat> I think as, I don't know, a lot of these topics, I think I could probably do quite a, quite a, a lot of stuff on it. And some of these have come up as questions and comments and all that sort of thing. So I want to be able to sort of chip away at these because I, I definitely don't want to leave people hanging when they email the show or, uh, leave comments on some of the other content that I put out. So I guess the one the one I think is, uh, you know, if I worry about falling overboard out at sea, and I wouldn't say that I actually worry about it. I would say that it is something that it's a thought that is in the back of my head pretty much all the time. It's not something you ever want to forget about, and it's not something you sort of joke about, um, because the reality of the situation is I've tried to make Sparrow sail herself uh, you know uh, all the time like I don't I, if I'm doing things really really well I don't have to go and touch anything or adjust anything and that can go on as long as the wind stays the same and and the waves stay the same and sometimes out in the ocean that can go on for days and days and even weeks so essentially the the reality is that if if I do fall overboard, the boat's not gonna um, sparrow's not gonna sort of realize what's happened and decide at that exact moment to uh, malfunction. I guess you could say in any way, and uh, and then you know round up into the wind or anything like that. And I I did for the first 
first little bit of my solo sailing career, I, I remember dragging a line behind the boat. It's about, I don't know, 70 feet long or something like that. And I remember pulling it in after it had been in the water for weeks and, uh, it was so slimy and gross and weakened by just being wet in the sea that uh, pretty much figured I had zero chance of actually grabbing hold of that. And I have read stories of people falling overboard and actually being able to grab onto different little lines or even a fishing line to be able to get back onto the boat, which sounds to me uh, like just a miracle sort of situation. But I think for me, it's, uh, it's just one of those realities that you sort of live with and I can't, you know, obviously you can't really prevent it. Even if you clip onto everything in sight and hook onto everything, uh, you're still going to have to unclip at some points and going overboard clipped in, is no picnic in itself. And yes, it might be better than, uh, you know, slowly slipping down the side of the boat and, uh, watching it then disappear. But I, you know, I, it's, it's one of those realities that I think in my mind, all I try to do is realize that that danger is there, take it very, very seriously, uh, and actually in some ways use that fear to propel me to make smarter decisions, think things through, uh, don't mess around and, you know, do foolish things. I, I will never forget seeing this clip on YouTube years and years ago, somebody who sailed like across the Pacific or something or over to Hawaii, I'm not sure, but he did it by himself. And there's this clip of him up on the bow and he's got a bucket on his head. And I think he was clipped in. I can't really even remember. But I just remember thinking to myself, that is the dumbest thing I have ever seen. Like, what better way to uh, to end up falling overboard than to cut your, your balance and stuff out by cutting off one of your senses and, you know, for some video shot or something. It just, I don't know, it was beyond me. I mean, those are the sort of the things that that are pretty ridiculous. And I, I even have this clip. Uh, it's a short one because I, I realized exactly how dumb it was, but I, on this, on the last big trip that I did, I had bought this little new GoPro and it came with all these accessories. And one of them was one of those selfie sticks. And I can remember it was really, really calm out and I was kind of bored, but we were still sailing. And I was like, Oh, I'll pull out that selfie stick, try and get some good shot, something like that. And, uh, I think I walked from the cockpit up to the foredeck with this selfie stick. And then I turned the video camera off and I was just like, this is exactly how you fall in the water, paying attention to this thing instead of paying attention to the fact that two feet away over that lifeline is basically a miserable and very scary and very sad little death. So I don't know. Um, it's one of those things. I don't worry about falling overboard, but I realize it and I realize the consequences and I let that be uh, a great motivator in um, not only making good choices, but also hanging on extra super tight. So I think that covers that issue. And I, I seem to always have to sort of jump into that one. 
more so when I was doing those uh, presentations because I think I think because people had me there live, it was always on somebody's mind and they wanted to hear what my thoughts were on it. And I don't mind expressing that, but I also always would uh, start out answering that question by saying that it's always good to use every bit of safety equipment that you have aboard your boat, no matter what, especially if you're on a crude boat or within, you know, coastal regions. Once you're offshore, things get a little bit different, but you know, again, it's doing what you are most comfortable with and uh, how, you know, because if you're if you're very uncomfortable clipping in and and running jack lines and doing all these extra things, well, then it's not going to be the best situation for you. So that's all I have to say about that one. And then the only other one that I think I'll get into, because there's a kind of a list here, <clears throat> is why why nonstop sailing and i've been sort of pondering this and talking with a few people about this subject recently and after quite a number of years of doing this and being able to think about it and all that sort of stuff i i think for me personally the idea of doing a nonstop sailing trip is really about the experience of leaving the land behind for the ocean world and doing it for an extended period of time. Um, whenever you stop somewhere, it's kind of like a reset back into land living and what it's like in the everyday civilized world. But the minute you set sail and peel over that horizon, then all of a sudden you're back into this very primitive, very, uh, very basic uh, realm of mother nature, so to speak. And even though you may have like a boat with technology and things like that on board, you are surrounded by, just this this whole different world and one of the things that happens and I know I've talked about this before but one of the things that happens is that your brain sort of adjusts to that it it sort of it has to peel away the gunk and the smog so to speak of the everyday world uh, that we live in now with all the technology and all the advertising all you know just all the everyday stuff and it that includes uh, relationships and friends and family and all that sort of thing as well. Um, because I, I think to add to this, you know, why not so much why nonstop sailing, but why, why solo nonstop sailing. And part of the reason I, I really enjoy that part as well is that that connection that you have with the world around you is amplified greatly when it is uninterrupted by other people. Um, not that, and I'm not saying that it's always bad when other people are there or anything like that. Cause some of the, my favorite trips that I've ever done on this boat and other sailing have, have been with cool other people that it's a lot of fun and they make the trip really enjoyable. Uh, but for me, again, one of the, the curiosities, if you will, one of the, the sort of ideas that, I need to and have been propelled to 
see and experience and push the limits of is that idea of separating yourself from other people and going off into this wilderness and staying out there for a long time. And even going and like seeing land is fine because I think that's one of the, the highlight things that uh, can happen out at sea, you know, out in the ocean, you go for weeks and months and whatever. And then this big hulking chunk of land comes out of the sea you get to like watch and look at it and wonder about it, but you don't stop there. You just keep on going by. And I don't know, that way you don't get that reset back into sort of normal life and <clears throat> your brain doesn't have to readjust to life on land. And then you set sail and it's back on, onto the being out in the ocean. And I don't know. I, I think I just find this, I find it fascinating what what happens mentally and uh, and physically in some ways as well, depending on where you're sailing. I mean, if you're if you're trade wind sailing and it's warm and it's nice, usually that's kind of the time where you, uh, I don't know, at least me, I gain a couple of pounds here and there, no big deal. Uh, you know, eat more more food, a few more of the little candy bars and cookies and kick back and relax with a book more often than not, you know, you go, you go and hit up places like, uh, the high latitudes or the variables. And then you're, you're looking at reef and sails constantly and, uh, being in the cold and only eating the bare minimum because it's so rough out. And that's when you get cut up, ripped up, shredded, uh, which is kind of cool. I mean, I still will never forget what I look like after after my four and a half months in the uh, in the Southern Ocean, it was pretty impressively disgusting, I will say. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I think if if I had to really just sum it up, why why I choose to do solo nonstop sailing, it it really is. It's it's the whole idea of immersing myself in our ocean world, doing it for extended periods of time to see what and how my mental and physical state changes while I'm out there. And the nice part is you can push it really, really far. I mean, I've, I've had thoughts about trying to stay out there and do trips that, you know, push up into like 500 days out at sea just to just to see what it would be like. And I, I you know, who knows if that'll ever happen, but I know that on this next trip, if if things go according to plan, I just want to be able to set sail and and go cruise, you know, without without a destination in mind and without a direction necessary besides that of our great oceans to be able to find the easiest point of sail and then nice and comfortable <clears throat> sailing, which if you leave for Maine, it it essentially dictates riding westerlies until you get far enough so that you can then ride the easterlies south and then keep riding them south until you find the westerlies down in the southern ocean and then ride those to the east and who knows you know it's it's pretty amazing amazing little world out there and the more i think about it and the more the more projects that i get completed while i'm up here in maine the more excited and giddy and those butterflies start flapping around in my stomach. It's pretty, pretty ridiculous. Holy cow. But 
that uh, I guess that that sort of sums up some of the stuff. And I, I think because I have a few more things I have to do, I'm going to, I'm going to cut this one down um, and I'm just going to throw it out there. Another little rambling uh, solo podcast, but uh, I do enjoy these. And I think, I think the game plan is going to be to continue doing some of the interviews, but I'm going to try and intermix it with, with these. And uh, if I can quite possibly try and do a little, little more organized uh, in the future where I sort of have a bit of a game plan. I will always, every once in a while, like to do one of these random ones where I'm pretty much just shooting from the cuff, so to speak, or uh, I don't know how that saying goes. But in any event, um, I want to thank everybody for listening and for all the continued support. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm going to keep putting these out and mixing them up and trying to do more and more stuff. And uh, yeah, other than that, uh, wishing all of the Golden Globe racers a good luck in the doldrums. They are in the thick of it. They're just about to the equator. Um, but there's there's some ugly, calm, calm, calm air down there. And I can only only imagine or only remember exactly what it's like to be in that situation. And uh, so I'm feeling for them. I can literally just close my eyes and picture what it's like there. And I'm sure that's what quite a few of them are going through. So wish them luck. Raise a glass for them if you can, because they're lonely out there at sea, and I'm sure they'd uh, love to be able to do that with another human being. But in any event, thanks for listening, and uh, until next time.